Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Real Clear Politics Takeaway for Tuesday, December 21st. I'm Tom Bevan, co-founder and president of RCP. And I'm Carl Cannon, Washington Bureau Chief, and it's deja vu all over again, Tom. Omicron is here, Carl. Uh, 73% of all cases in the United States, new cases in the United States, are, I guess, of the new variant. Biden is going to speak today to unveil uh, new measures, including 500 million uh, home testing kits that are will be free and, I guess, mailed out to people. So um, here we are again, Carl. It looks like stuff is shutting down. Is that the right, is that the right path to go on? Um, I, th- when the president speaks today, Tom, it's going to be quite a contrast because on July 4th, he gave, you know, what I called, you know, and other people, his mission accomplished speech. And it, it, it was optimistic, but that optimism hasn't panned out. We're, we're back where we were. New York City, Broadway, Hamilton's canceling shows. The Rockets are not doing their Christmas performances now. The National Hockey League is just canceling games. My Seahawks game got uh, it, it, delayed and moved to tonight, as a matter of fact. Yeah, yeah. I think the Washington football team plays tonight, too, against the Eagles. It, it, now, football fans are secretly um, – this is what they've wanted. I, I always thought if you ran for president and your, <laughs> your platform was seven-day – Football, you, you carry a segment of the male vote, but but in all seriousness, this just it's it's heartbreaking in a way because people are again having to choose between risking their their, their health if they have if they have loved ones who are in a vulnerable population, immunized, compromised, cancer patients, elderly, or or spending Christmas alone. I mean, it is nothing about this that's good, Tom. It's it's very sad. And the president, we're going to hear the president. He's going to try and lead us out of this. But well, two things only first, take you so first far. on the president's tone uh, earlier this week, the president had given some remarks or last week, I guess, saying basically that, you know, if you're unvaccinated, you're in for a winter of death, severe illness and death. Carl, that was repeated by, uh, you know, one of his which was communicated through the White House, I think, Twitter feed saying basically like, if you're vaccinated, you know, good job and you've done what you're supposed to do and we wish you the best, you know, <laughs> joy and comforting, uh, good tidings to all. But if you're unvaccinated, you are going to be in for, you know, a world of hurt and the hospitals that you're going to overwhelm. I mean, it was really aggressive language. The White House Chief of Staff, Ron Klain, you know, tweeted, someone tweeted uh, about this language saying, you know, what good is this? Who, who is this going to persuade? This is only going to divide the country. And Ron Klain tweeted, you know, the truth is the truth. So the White House is taking a very uh, sort of stern tone with the American people. Well, wait, well, well, Tom, the truth, the truth of this variant, Omicron, is that here's who it hits. The vaccinated, the unvaccinated, the, the partially vaccinated. I mean, that's who is, you know, two Democrats, Cory Booker, Senator Cory Booker and Senator Elizabeth Warren got it. Uh, Larry Hogan. The, the governor of a neighboring state of mine, Maryland, got it, a House member. Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, admitted there are breakthrough cases. That's the term they use on the White House staff. So, Carl, um, the question it, is, it, why is the administration taking this kind of tone? Why use this kind of rhetoric? Well, I, I my guess is Biden will be more universal in his approach today. The What Anthony Fauci and the medical establishment is saying as of now, Tom, is that if you've had two shots, if you got Moderna or Pfizer and and a booster, 
I, I guess the J and J shot was one shot, but if you got your booster, this is less serious. You, you, your chance of dying or being hospitalized are much less. All I can say to that is I pray that that's true because if it's not, um, we're, we're going to, we're going to have a much tougher year last next year than we did this year. I mean, that, that's the early data, but this is very early. This thing is doubling every two days. It is, uh, you know, the, the, the health experts, Tom, if you listen carefully, they have to restrain themselves. They're, they're marveling at this efficiency of this virus. And it's, it's a grim efficiency, but this thing is spreading worldwide like a raging wildfire. And our, our hope is that if you're vaccinated, and we need to retire that phrase fully vaccinated because as you pointed out last week, Tom, and you and I were talking, is there going to be a fourth shot needed? Probably. Is there, is this, I mean, if, if coronavirus is now endemic in human populations, and that's what it seems to me, we're, we're we may need vaccines the rest of our lives every year, and it may be a different vaccine as that as the virus mutates. So, Carl, it, you mentioned some of the the NHLs postponed their season. It doesn't see. It seems like people are still resistant to shutting down businesses, uh, although some localities, New York City and whatever, have implemented uh, implemented vaccine passports and and the like, but we are seeing delays, things that are shutting down. The question is, we have an op-ed on Real Clear Politics this morning, which is in the New York Times. Dr. Joseph Allen says, we learned our lesson last time. We must keep schools open. The incidents, and he details the numbers on Omicron, and and as we know from COVID in general, kids very rarely get hospitalized, very rarely die uh, from this disease, and yet we shut down schools for the better part of a year. And, and he's saying the cost of that policy will be felt with us for decades in terms of lost learning, lost socialization, depression, mental health issues, the like. Um, so the question is, Carl, are we going to repeat that same mistake despite the data and the science in terms of uh, you know what we're going to do with the schools? Well, you know, human beings are learning. Um, this, you know, this virus was unheard of two years ago, Tom. So, we're, you know, we haven't we haven't done as badly as it seems. Sometimes we're we're learning more about it. But you said, you know, children are not at great risk uh, from this from this virus so far. But that, you know, we could have another variant, another mutation. I think this is the balance in that. You and know, I've been talking about this now for for. 16 months between. But Carl, you know, I mean, there the are future other things is unknown. Going on. We could have whatever. I'm just talking about dealing with the variant well, as we know it right now. Should we, I mean, well, are we going to shut down schools? I mean, I think it was a. I, I, I don't, I don't know the answer to that, but I, I don't know if we should. Well, but, we shouldn't. But I'll, I'll tell you, you mentioned this, the New York Times uh, column. The Times has had some really good coverage in the last couple of weeks about the mental health crisis in this country. And, the, you know, opioid deaths are up. Now, now, why is that? Well, is it because people are lonely? Yeah. Is it because um, people who are drug addicted can't go to their meetings, couldn't go for much of 2021 uh, to their meetings? Yes. So this is a balancing act between stopping the spread of a, of a lethal patho pathogen and all the other activities that human beings need to survive from going to putting sixth grader, you know, six-year-olds in school to 60-year-olds have cancer screenings. We are we are a social animal, human beings, and we and all these things we do. Uh, you know, the Rockettes concert; those are important things. These are socializing things. These are things that keep why people want to live is they want to be with other people and share fellowship with them. It's a tough balancing act. All right, Carl. Uh, let's switch topics really quick. 
to Joe Manchin, Build Back Better. He announced, President Manchin <laughs> announced on Sunday that he is a no vote. Obviously, in the intervening 48 hours, we've seen just, you know, Democrats apoplectic. The White House released, Jen Psaki released a 700 word statement, just blistering Manchin, calling him a liar. Uh, you know, Ilhan Omar was on MSNBC saying he's full of bullshit. Uh, I mean, it was just on and on and on. Democracy is dead because Joe Manchin decided <laughs> to vote uh, his his what he's saying is his conscience. Um, some other Democrats were saying, look, this isn't over. We're going to reboot after the new year. And Manchin has maybe indicated that if they rewrite the bill, he's open to, to potentially looking at it. Uh, what do we make of all this, Carl? How big of a blow is it to, to Joe Biden politically and the Democrats? Um, and and. Beyond that, how big of a blow is it to the to the country? If you think this was good legislation uh, that needed passage, as the Democrats seem to seem to believe, well, we could spend an hour on that topic. But we let me give you a minutes, couple so of thoughts. Go. Let me give you a couple of thoughts. The first is, in my view, Joe Manchin may have saved Joe Biden from you know himself, or rather from the the, the flank of his party that's demanding this and, and acting all angry. You know, the media hasn't done a great job of explaining this, but this thing is not a two trillion dollar bill. It's, you know, three times that or four times that because the Democrats, in order to meet Manchin's objections, his fiscal objections, played obvious gimmicks, just transparent tricks with the accounting so that all the all the good stuff sunsets and, um, you know, in a year or two. Well, nobody knows. Everyone knows that's not going to right. happen. So this is a very expensive piece of legislation and we haven't covered that properly. Um, but. But what Manchin, you know, this idea, though, that they want to drive. Well, first of all, that they think because the, the Senate's 50 50. So they and they, but they get the tie breaking vote because Kamala Harris is vice president. The, Joe Manchin's pointed this out and other people should, too. They are they're acting like they've got a 70 30 majority. I mean, they're trying to ram through some of the most aggressive social legislation in three generations with a tie vote. I, why is that a th the threat to democracy? I, I don't even get that line of argument. Right. Um, but the, and the other thing is, why would they want to, why would driving Joe Manchin out of that party, which seems what some of them are trying to do, you know, he's much more popular in West Virginia than Joe Biden is. He's representing his constituents as best I can tell quite well, quite accurately. He's reflecting what they believe in. If they drive him out of the party, they don't get any more judgeships. You know, the Washington Post had a story last week. Biden's ahead of Trump on appointing judges. Do they not want those judges appointed? Because if this guy's in the Republican conference, they don't get those judges. They don't get a lot of other things. And and to me, um, some of the and maybe it's up to the president to rein in some of these voices. You know, Bernie Sanders says Manchin should have the guts to go tell West Virginians, uh, you know, why he won't address climate change. Really? I mean, Bernie Sanders couldn't get elected in West Virginia. Joe Manchin probably couldn't get elected in Vermont. And Mature people ought to be able to recognize that fact. It life. doesn't seem like that is the case, though. <laughs> and clearly, I mean, if anyone's showing courage in this situation, it would be Joe Manchin sort of standing up to and taking the abuse that he's taking. Right. The easy path would have been for him to to go along. But he obviously took a different path. And and uh, we are where we well, are. Well, but that's an important point, Tom. What you'd expect at the very minimum is that is that the people disagree with Manchin on this legislation, and most of them are sincere, do disagree with him. 
that should should acknowledge that this is a principled stance that he's taking. They should really acknowledge that because if they don't, it doesn't seem like there's any basis to go forward. And if you remember the coverage of John McCain when he waited till the last, imagine if Joe Manchin had, instead of announcing it on a Sunday show, which apparently offended some Democrats, he went on Fox News and announced this. If he had waited till the last minute, the vote was at midnight. He walked up there. He waited until he was the last senator to vote and then gave it a thumbs down on the well of the Senate floor, like John McCain did with the Obamacare repeal, which he was hailed as a maverick and putting, you know, country above party and, and all this stuff. Imagine how the Democrats would have responded uh, if Joe Manchin had done that. Well, but imagine how the coverage is different this time than that time. <laughs> of course. Too. That, that's a little bracing. Of course. But having said that, I thought what, Mac what McCain did was uh, great drama. I, I actually enjoyed the hell out of it. <laughs> all right. We will leave it there. Uh, for this morning. I'm Tom Bevan, co-founder president of RCP. And I'm Carl Cannon, Washington Bureau Chief. And this has been the Real Clear Politics Takeaway for Tuesday, December 21st, 2021.